Good afternoon. I'm Jordan Peoples, and Marvel sucks. I'm Cade Weiberg, and no, it doesn't. Uh, very curious about today's episode. Uh, oh, I gotta say my catchphrase. Case in point, we are talking about Thor, Love, and Thunder. Um, this movie has been pretty... I mean, it still has a fresh tomato. It's been kind of a mixed bag review-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, little less so than Doctor Strange was, because that also... Doctor Strange... The mainstream Marvel media was like, whoa, this is too wild and crazy. I want a Black Widow or an Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, And then me and Jordan both gave it fives. We both liked it equally as much. Right. Um, This is... I I will just divulge my ranking at the start of the episode, as I usually do. Oh, you have a cat now. Do you want to jump on that Yeah, she's meowing all all of a sudden. (laughs) Uh, Jordan has a cat. Yep, she's very sweet. Her name's Lily Sugar, which is a very, uh... Lily uh, hyphen sugar or Lily Sugar middle name? Uh, I'd say Lily Sugar is the middle name, because also sometimes we call her Lily Sugar Daisy, which is just altogether too many names, but... That's a lot. Yeah. That, I can understand how that would be confusing for the cat. Yeah, and then we we figured out afterwards, because we were t- abbreviating her name to text each other, that it's LSD. We had a little <laughs> bit of our own Lucy in the Sky with Diamond situation. So now oh, I can wow. properly commiserate with John how yeah. these accidents just happen. How all the fans were just constantly like, uh, Jordan, why did you name your cat after drugs, you drug fiend? <laughs> well, all and, these fans at home. Uh, but you have an excuse, just like John Lennon did. And really, Ellie's mom is the one who came up with the name, so it's even... Really, she's the drug fiend, if anyone. Which, which name? All three? Well, so we had just been calling her Sugar, and then we were reading okay. a list of cat names for white cats. And I, I was like going Lily through the list, and it went Lily, cat name. Sugar, yeah. Daisy, in that order. And she was like, oh, Lily, Sugar, Daisy. And we're like, <laughs> okay. And I like Lily as a cat name, for sure. Daisy... Well, does, so, so this cat doesn't have a last name. I mean, her last name could be Sugar Daisy. It could be Lily Sugar Daisy. <laughs> Lily... Or it could be Lily Sugar, last so the name cat, Daisy. The cat was married and it hyphenated the name? Could be. Sugar Daisy? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, well, I, well, I'm sure we'll divulge. Do we, do we want to have a Jordan's Cat Corner? As you, got a, you got a law corner, a wedding corner, and a cat corner. Yeah, uh, I think... Uh, I don't... We'll see if she talks more. If she talks again, then we'll talk more about her. It's like every time you tell her to talk, she speaks, which yeah. is something that a dog does. So that's kind of impressive that a cat. I've never there met a cat goes. who could speak on demand. <laughs> yeah. Pretty impressive. No, she's a she's a chatty cat. A chatty cat. There she goes. See? She's now grumpy because the back doors are closed. Mm. Is it raining where you are? We got uh, some pretty significant floods eight hours away last night. Yeah, it's been pretty rainy here. Okay. Uh, Man, she I, is she's going the, at it now. The cat agrees. It we we like. were she'd been so quiet for like the ten minutes prior to us. Yes. We were recording. just catching up and the cat was very chill. Maybe if we don't talk about the cat, even though we kind of were talking about the cat for ten minutes. Yeah. Um, and yet still. Yeah, exactly. I, I think she'll quiet down. Also, the first seven or eight episodes of the show have has like recording of kids playing basketball in my street the entire time. <laughs> So we're used to some, you know, slight noise distractions. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yes, you were going to divulge your rating. I was going rating. to jump into my review. I 
off the cuff, give this four out of five stars, which is not our, our typical rating, which I will get into. Mm. Um, I put this at number 18 out of 35, okay. right behind Captain Marvel, and I watched it a second time last night. Um, we at the Violet Crown have a uh, beer that I helped with another manager make at Three Notched Brewery called Ooh. the Hammered Asgardian. Um, and it is a 9.8% double IPA. Yes. That is and I had, nuts. That's almost like wine. <laughs> yeah. I had one of them while watching this movie the second time, and I had a wonderful experience. I mean, I already had a great experience the first time because it's a Thor movie. It's yeah. Taiko TD. It's Marvel. Um, but I did put it at 18 out of 35. Right behind Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is where I start changing the rating into four and a half stars. Uh-huh. And there are a lot of parts of this I like more than Captain Marvel, so I kind of felt like it should be right past it. But at the same time, Captain Marvel is a bit more of a cohesive story. Yeah. And this is a little bit kind of all over the place, for better or worse. Like, the, the scene, there's definitely a lot of highs in this movie. Mm-hmm. And really the lows are how they just don't always mesh together. Uh, overall, I, I really enjoyed it, uh, and I would like to also say during my viewing experience, this enhanced the viewing exponentially. The second Mm -hmm. time I had the Asgardian beer, the first time I watched it sober, but my cousin and my boss were both at the early screening with me, and both of them are the biggest Guns N' Roses fans in my orbit. Like, they are fanatics. Which really helped me, like, watching... Both of them jumped in, like, amazement at different parts of this movie. (laughs) And that was very fun to live vicariously through them. And I left... We left the movie and I was like, kind of mid-Marvel. And my cousin's like, that's the best one next to Endgame. I'm like, (laughs) wow, okay. (laughs) You you truly have to be a big Guns N' Roses fan for that alone to jettison this to the top. Well, I mean, it's a Thor movie. It's a fun Taika Waititi Thor movie. It's yeah. kind of like a mixture of Taika Waititi Thor and then Dark World Thor. Like, you get kind of both of those plot lines. Because yeah. for whatever reason, all the gore of the God Butcher stuff, and oh my god, Christian Bale knocked this out of the park. If anything, he somehow made the movie slightly worse because he was acting laps around everybody else. Yeah. And if if you were to put him in a serious Marvel movie, like an Oscar drama, like a Marvel Oscar drama, oh man, would it be top five. Uh, So far, what I'm getting is I think we are going to be on kind of the same page on this one. Okay. I do think we have kind of synced up. Oh, and also, fun fun, uh, news, I reorganized the re-rank sheet because that seems to be the most dead air the podcast has all the time. (laughs) Uh, so I have added uh, Doctor Strange and Moon Knight and all of our scores uh, for the, I think, Hawkeye, too. I don't know if you included your Hawkeye score uh, originally when we made this. But uh, Moon Knight, you didn't finish, but you said the first episode was one out of two adventures. So I just gave you a three out of six for that one. Okay. Um, well, we'll see if I ever end up finishing it and, exactly. and give it a and proper... Three is a proper number for something you enjoyed one episode of but didn't finish. Yeah. Um, I gave Moon Knight a four and a half. Uh, and So that was kind of a disagreement. Doctor Strange, both fives from us. No Way Home was a six from me and a five from you. Uh, and then Eternals was a 4.83 from me, 4.5 from you. And then Shang-Chi was both four and a half. Black Widow's three and a half and a four. So phase four were really in sync for most of this. Yeah, well, and it's also, I would just say, we are a step back 
from the previous phase. Don't you think? Uh, Just like I, it, it seems well, more scatter, okay. scatter shot. Like it's less. I mean, consistent. phase phase three, though. Like phase three is the culmination. If you're to compare phase four to something, you have to compare it to phase one. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't disagree with that. And it, it does feel like they're trying. They're trying to um, do a little bit of variety. Because they yes. just like, we just did that thing, let's try some stuff out, and then maybe we'll coalesce again in the next yes. couple of phases. So I don't really fault them for it, but I definitely yeah. think, they're this. I appreciate that they're taking swings, but you know, some of them are bound to be misses. I mean, phase six at this point seems like it's going to be seven Avengers movies. But, like, different teams. So you'll have, like, the Young Avengers, which they're setting up in all these movies and shows. <laughs> you'll have the Thunderbolts. You'll have uh, the Dark Avengers, maybe, if mm-hmm. we get there. You'll have maybe Defenders, whatever Blade's sword hero team is. Um, so it really seems like they're, again, like, this is more of a Phase 1. And... This is the last movie of Phase 4, so we have completed Phase 4. So maybe it might be fun to do a phase ranking real quick. Hmm. Well, uh, we, we'd have to wait till the end because I haven't, I'm not going to rank this till we get through it. That's true. All right, so at the very end, we should do a phase ranking, which I think we're both going to be in agreement about that as well. Yeah. So this, uh, is this the official end of the phase? This is, is the official saying? end of Phase 4, Thor, Love, and Thunder. Okay, interesting. Yes. Um... Which they had said in 2019, uh, they announced it as such. Um, and I'm trying. So Phase One ended with Avengers One, which is quite a good end to Phase One. Yeah, it feels uh, like that's the way to. Like all of the phases should end with some sort of Avengers thing. Well, you can't. You can't. If you keep doing the Avengers thing, it's going to get bloated, and they're trying to save. I bet they're not going to do anything close to an Avengers movie for at least three more years. Yeah, and even that might be too soon. Hmm. Um, that does not seem like their well, forte. Alternate, I, I don't think that's their strategy. Alternatively, I think if I was to choose one of these movies to end the phase on, it might have been yeah. Spider-Man. I mean, that is... That feels like the tentpole. That, that seems like the event of the phase. <laughs> yeah, that was. But also, I like where that was placed. And another thing is they have no control over where the Spider-Man movie lands. Because mm. Sony, it's part of the Sony deal. Right. So Spider-Man was supposed to come after Doctor Strange. And mm. Doctor Strange was supposed to discover the multiverse, and then he's going to go hang out with Spider-Man and explain the multiverse to him. But Sony's like, nope, our movie's coming out in 2019. It's not our fault COVID happened kind of deal. Sony um, is is generating an interesting <laughs> amount of ill will, it seems, for someone who's <laughs> trying to jump on the MCU bandwagon. Or at least the Marvel yes. bandwagon, like trying yes. to—they they keep really trying to want... co-opt it, but they also keep pissing off Marvel fans, which is a weird strategy. Well, I do think they get No Way Home is my number four MCU film. Like they gave us something that we really want, but then you know they gave us Morbius mm-hmm. and they're a Craven movie and a new a Marvel Madden legend, Web... Morbius. Oh my God! Wait, we talked about Morbius. We have. We've we talked must... about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, have you? Uh, watched, um, or no, have you heard about Madam Web? Have we talked about Madam Web? No, I'm not, I'm unfamiliar with this. Okay, Madam Web is the next Sony movie. So basically, Sony's endgame, what they want to do after the success of No Way Home, is without the help of Marvel, like Disney Marvel, they want to create their own Spider-Man cinematic universe 
which culminates in Tom Hardy Venom, the three Spider-Man boys, uh, and whoever else fighting the king of the symbiotes, who is basically, like, uh, lives in another galaxy, like the king of Venoms or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's just super powerful, kind of looks like Gore the God Butcher, slightly. Uh, and they just want to have Spider-Man Endgame kind of deal. And Madam Web is the Doctor Strange of the universe. Her character sounds dumb as shit. She's like a D-tier Spider-Man character, but she's this basically this blind girl played by Dakota Johnson, Fifty Shades of Grey fame, uh, who uses a web as a tapestry to tell uh, life events and such. Okay. Um, so they're making that movie which is going to be like the Doctor Strange, and she is going to somehow lead into uh, whatever Spider-Man... Like, not immediately, but she's going to set up the stakes for Spider-Man Endgame, and they're trying to make this universe. And Morbius made money, somehow. Like, uh, it doubled... It had a low budget of $75 million, but it made, like, $150 million through jokes or memes or whatever. Right. It worked for them, and now it has boosted their confidence to the point, like, we can do this. This can be, we can turn this dream into a reality kind of deal. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that movie, all these upcoming movies, like, Craven the Hunter sounds like it's just going to be another Venom-type thing, where it's, like, a superhero movie that was made in 2004, mm-hmm. um, which we don't need to see. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not going to watch these movies. Yeah. Like, it, w- it would take quite would a... Uh... <laughs> I don't know, like a outpouring of critical success, like Which like kind of like the Batman. Happen. Like I I'm, I oh, still yeah. haven't seen it, but I'm interested <laughs> in seeing it because of how much everyone else has responded to it. It is very very good. You really should watch the Batman. Whereas like the MCU movies at this point, like I guess have generated enough uh, interest that even like a middling or like. Like Thor, going into that, yeah. I, I'd seen a little bit of the Rotten Tomato score, but it was nothing that was going to deter me from seeing the movie. I was well, like, you watched Eternals, and that had a Rotten Tomato. Yeah. Which, so. I did like this more than Eternals, but uh, I don't know. I think people slept on Eternals. Like, I liked Eternals. I kind of want to go back and rewatch that one. Which I'm going to. I, is I just bought a... Something, you know, like, that's not uh, something I say that's about not, all Marvel movies. So That's true. And I did say when we talked about it, like, it seems like, when I rewatch these once a year, it seems like it'll have the most rewatch value, mm-hmm. whereas Black Widow or Shang-Chi are straightforward stories, not really diverting from the formula at all. Right. And Eternals definitely diverts from every facet of that Phase 1 Marvel formula, um, which I enjoyed. So, though it doesn't, it's not 100% a slam dunk, uh, I am, I think that one's going to be a fun one to rewatch every year. All right, so do you uh, want to start which, getting into Thor a little bit? Like, just move through the beats? Yes, I do want to slightly circle back. Uh, then we will do the beats. Okay. Um, circle back, you said Spider-Man should be the culmination of this phase. Yeah, this movie whereas, just feels like it, it's um, in the middle of the journey. It doesn't feel like a ending, you know? Yeah, I guess, there, well... There's no finality to this movie. It was just like Avengers another one, Thor story. Avengers 1 isn't a finale by any means. And then Ant-Man is the phase two ender. So that's also not really a finale. Yeah. Well, I'd say that, that while Avengers one, isn't an ending, it's at least the culmination of something. It's, it, it, it feels like the, uh, the kind of end of, fa- end of phase one, it, and then introduces where the franchise is going to go from there. So it's at least a transition kind of point. 
And I wouldn't say sure. Ant-Man was that either. So that's also kind of just a weak ending to a phase. Maybe the even phases, because the third phase ending was technically Spider-Man Far From Home, which it was going to be Endgame. But again, Sony was like, our movie needs to come out at this time. Yeah, that, uh, it felt, that felt a little bit like an epilogue. Like the real yeah, ending exactly. was Endgame. And, but then they're like, yes. but we, we can keep going. And then like <laughs> Tony Stark is dead. It's permanent. The, here's the new guy who's going to take his place. Right, kind of yeah. Which, yeah, I agree, that's an epilogue. But um, I would say that phase one is probably still the best ending to a phase, maybe? Yeah. If we're comparing those three movies, just because... And, and like, act, if it was Endgame, that would clearly be oh, yeah, the yeah, pinnacle. Bar but none. since it, but it's it not, I'd say Avengers is, yeah. I think, and like, Civil War could have been a good phase ender. Well, that was the phase starter. They wanted to... The whole... They wanted to start with that, and that's why they tacked on Ant-Man to the end of Phase 2. Yeah. Well, I guess they w- my point was that it doesn't need to be an Avengers movie. It just, yeah. But you do have to have some sort of crossover, and it has to have some sort of uh, impact. So I, I think you could have a Thor movie that was a phase ender. I just don't think this was really that kind I of like movie. Civil War as a start because the whole problem... Like, the whole... Um, what's the word? I mean, the feud uh, is starts there, so that's fine. Yeah, the obstacle. Well, the obstacle that entire phase is the Avengers aren't getting along, and then Thanos shows up, and they're divided, and he destroys Earth. Yeah, nothing. Nothing uh, joins people together like a common enemy. Yes, uh, and boy, was he the most common enemy. <laughs> um, I kind of would have put Doctor. Str- I mean, I like Sp- my all this to say I like Spider Man in the middle. Because we have Phase 4 start... I mean, we have the TV shows, and WandaVision is... Holy shit, what a fucking bang to Phase 4. Mm-hmm. What a what a shot out of the gate, where it was supposed to start with Black Widow, which would not have been as good a start to the... I guess it would have been fine, but... Uh, I definitely... Like, if you started Phase 4 with Black Widow versus WandaVision, would you have been like, oh, what is Phase 4 gonna be? Like, what am I getting myself into kind of deal? Mm. Um... And then Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Loki, all slam dunks. Then the movies start, and you get Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals, which COVID was still pretty prominent, so these aren't big box office draws at all. Uh, And then Spider-Man, holy fuck. Like, boy, did that just surpass everything else that had come out in, like, all movies. Like, it was exponentially better than the previous three movies. Uh, So I kind of like it where it is. Doctor Strange... I think could also be a good phase ender kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if that wraps up. I mean, really, the only reason I would put that as a phase ender because we discovered the multiverse and we know, like, what's happening next. Yeah, I would say that middle act where we introduce all these characters from alternate timelines, that kind of yeah. has a feeling of a phase ender because it just it teases it so much more potential. Yes. So I kind of like that as a phase ender. Not that this this does feel like more of an Ant Man. I I, I uh, do think Doctor Strange though is it's interesting that these movies came out next to each other because in a lot of ways yeah. I feel like they're similar because they um, they both not like they just have this combination of kind of zaniness and yes seriousness the, and just turning the formula on its head a little bit. And I yeah. think both of them succeed at that to an extent, but I think yes. Thor ultimately stumbles at that more than 
Doctor Strange did. Yes, and let's let's go ahead and attack this beat by beat. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go down the line. And again, I think my biggest complaint with this movie, which is a crazy concept that this can be a complaint, that Christian Bale is too good. <laughs> like, and as a result, it kind of just makes the rest of the movie seem less good. Like, right? It, it just seemed like his character was good enough that it deserved a movie that fit it. And instead, yes. it felt like it was coming from a different. Which I don't know. It's it like putting very... Heath Ledger Joker into a Tim Burton Batman or something. Yes, that's a very good, appropriate uh, comparison. Um, it also j- just like I don't know why. Like Hela was like the dark villain in Ragnarok, and you kind of balance this zany, fun hero plot, but then the villain is, like, murdering Asgardians left and right, mm-hmm. and is clearly a very evil force. So why why did that work so well in Ragnarok? Was it just because... See, I think that was one of my complaints about Ragnarok, because I actually didn't like that juxtaposition as well, but I, well, I, I think it worked better than this I thought you I thought you didn't like the fact that that seemed like more of a boring, it, your words, not mine, Thor 1 or 2 film. Like, whenever they were on Asgard, yeah. it seemed like her, her villain was not as compelling. But I, I think, he, to me, the problem isn't that Christian Bale was too good. Like, I mean, I do think that, like we've been talking about, it does create kind of a tonal imbalance. But I think that yeah. would have been tolerable if not for the cancer subplot. I think that oh, was a bit too hard of a bummer on what was supposed to be the fun side of the movie. Okay, I see. I kind of like that, but let's let's attack it beat by beat. Let's uh, yeah. let's go down the line, and we'll uh, figure it out. Okay, so this movie opens up um, with the intro, really good intro sequence, like yeah. a villain origin where uh, Gore is walking through the desert with his daughter. This reminds me of um, Spider-Man Three, where he's okay. he the guy is. Running away and oh, he gets Sandman. yes the yeah. Sandman origin yeah. story is just like a yes. little short film within Spider Man Three as a whole and that's probably yeah. the best part of the movie is just that whole sequence. This is kind of like that, like oh, it's really? like a short film. Oh, the best part of Spider Man Three or the best part of this? Best part of Spider Man Three was was oh, okay. that sequence, and this yeah. reminded me of that and just that it was its own little like five minute short film that of course does yes. inc- you know work with the rest of it. But even if that was the whole movie, just him killing a god. Yeah, like that would work as a standalone short. Yeah, it had its oh yeah a whole for sure. Arc. This movie starts off very strong for me. Like mm-hmm. I love that intro. The Marvel credit roll intro thing is an '80s hair metal guitar thing, mm-hmm. which was fucking awesome. And that's the best one of these that has happened so far. <laughs> um, I should mention I am a big hair metal fan. I'm not the biggest Guns N' Roses fans. I I do like Guns N' Roses a lot, but. Watching it with two Guns N' Roses fanatics was, like, a much more humbling experience. Like, oh, I guess I'm not as big a Guns N' Roses fan. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I would also like to point out, uh, my cousin made, he's a graphic designer at JMU, and he's very good at what he does. Uh, his his uh, tag on his Instagram handle is Noah Weiberg Edits, and he makes, he loves these movies, and he makes one, uh, he makes a graphic, his own unique graphic for each one. Hmm. And he watched Thor with me a bit early, um, and he, before it came out, like, no one really knows it's a Guns N' Roses movie yet, so he uh, just did a Thor holding Stormbreaker with lightning striking the mountain and Slash playing guitar next to him. 
And it, the photo for him basically went viral. Like it went over a thousand likes or damn near close if it hasn't already. Uh, it was his most uh, popular photo. But check that out on Noah Weiberg edits. It's, it's really cool to look at. No, I'll have to check uh, that out. Fans and Jordan. Um, so uh, this, the start of this movie, uh, and then we get Korg being the narrator um, of the Thor story, which I also really liked. Um, and my other manager, who's another Marvel fanatic, um, he said all, uh, and this is an interesting theory. He said all of the choppiness and kind of back and forth, uh, storytelling stuff, all of the, the faults in that department could be justified by the fact that Korg, this zany character is telling a story, Hmm. which I kind of buy. I think you would have, I, I I don't think think that's a bad uh like retroactive explanation but if that was sure. the explanation they were intending they should have made that more clear you know like it's oh, like yeah. a good no, fan I, theory yeah yeah no that i 100 percent fan theory um but that does give it more of a pass in my eyes for the things that don't quite work as well mm-hmm. um so korg is telling the story to all the asgardian children i just like that trope a lot and it starts with uh thor it's it's a Fun backstory for all of... Thor has been around since Phase 1, and he's, like, the only character at this point who's still hanging in there mm-hmm. in Phase 4. No, he definitely I, does I, not feel resolved. Like, the, yeah. the way that Captain America and Iron Man, yeah. they, they were like, we're done with them, bookend. But Thor was yes. clearly left hanging, like, we, we're not yeah. done with this character yet. Well, they just rebranded him, Yeah, too. yeah. And Ragnarok's basically the start of something, mm-hmm. not the not the finish. Even though they do, ser- it does service as an end to that trilogy. Yeah. Um, Again, it's it's one of those. It's more of a transition than an ending. Yes, definitely. Um, so he uh, has been. I like the, all the the love uh, explanation, and he's just like Thor gained a lot of weight, so his heart could not be broken again. Kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love all of the callback scenes, and this doesn't happen all here, but I just love all the flashbacks to him and Jane in their relationship, Mm -hmm. which we never got any of in the previous movies, but we knew it was happening. Like, we knew they were dating. Yeah. Uh, I like that resolution a lot. Um, So, so far, this movie is landing with me very well. And then you get the Guardians of the Galaxy show up, uh, and I didn't think they were going to have a huge role, but they were just in there enough to be like, fuck yeah, the Guardians are here, yeah. my boys, Groot and Rocket are fighting over binoculars, like, this is very fun. Um, and then Thor uh, jumps off the ledge while riding Stormbreaker, which was pretty crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like a witch's broom. Uh, and that's kind of, I think, set the tone for how insane this movie was going to yeah, be. Yeah, I really like the energy of this first sequence. Like, the the yes. whole... The fighting was so funny. Like everything yeah. Thor was doing, I, I thought this was this was pretty great. Just and, and then yeah. the weird alien king and the glass temple that yes. is destroyed. And like and it, the and the weird like chicken a, villain people that look like Muppets. Yeah, it felt like uh, it was taking. Also, this seemed like Guardians of the Galaxy characters for sure. Mm-hmm. Like James Gunn had input in uh, whatever that they were. Um, but I, I mean, they're also Welcome to the Jungle Place. Like, that's just a badass fight song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a really cool fight montage to compare to Ragnarok's immigrant song where he's using the hammer to mess shit up. Right. 
Uh, and then this was just, he's using Stormbreaker and he's defeating the villains. It, it's very fun. I am having a ball with this movie thus far. Uh, very much enjoying it. Then do we and cut then, to that Kate Denning scene or is that later? Yes, we cut to uh, Natalie Portman is back on Earth and she has stage four cancer. Yeah, so this scene I think didn't work for me. I Okay. Start, like, I don't even know if I think they couldn't do cancer. I just think that yeah. the way they did it wasn't that good. I And I also just didn't think that Kate Denning and her had that much chemistry in... Oh, this no, sequence. I love her. Her and Eric Selvig showing up were, were great. That made that was such a fun nod to phase one because, like, they've been around for 10 years. They've known each other. Like, maybe they weren't thick as thieves, but still, like, she's just a friend visiting an old friend kind of. Yeah, thing. and I think that's good. I just don't think the writing in that sequence was that funny. <laughs> like, I mean, my, my theater, has... just, which was packed, just sat there kind yeah. of silently. And there was, like, supposed to be some goofs happening. But at the same yeah. time, she had stage four <clears throat> cancer. And yeah, I don't know. Like it's just like it seems like you could do some gallows humor there. It just if you're gonna do it, it really kind of has to land. Because if the humor yeah. doesn't land, then it just feels it's like bad. you're making fun of cancer or something. Yeah, which which yeah, I don't know. It, th- it just felt weird. They, they they did the thing with the chemo. Like, do you have anything anywhere more important to be than chemo? Like, which seems like a Taika Waititi. Like, how many phases are there? Mm-hmm. Uh, phase or th- there's four phases or four stages or whatever. Uh, and then she's squeezing the chemo bag. Like, there's definitely some humor around cancer there, which is definitely not the funniest part of the movie. Or uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean, Natalie Portman's just all not not all that funny. Maybe that's part of yeah. the problem. I think Kate Dennings is, is pretty funny, but their chemistry together just—I don't know. It felt like a my, weak comedic duo. <laughs> I have never really. Yeah, I don't think Natalie Portman, for whatever reason, has ever been that good of an actor, and I don't. Which apparently the world disagrees. Obviously, she's won an Oscar uh, for Black Swan. May, maybe? maybe. Oh, Black Swan's phenomenal. I think she's, that's her best role. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But that's far and above. Like, what else is there? Yeah. Uh, and I even then, I think her kind of because she's she's I think kind of reserved as an actress. She never gets yes. that big, and that yeah. worked in that role in a way yes. that it doesn't work if you're supposed to be a Taika Waititi comedy person. Where, whereas yeah, Thor. It, Chris Hemsworth oh, yeah. is like, yes. he was born to read Taika Waititi's, you know, <laughs> yes. lines. And to his read style. all of his dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And she just that isn't, it's... which isn't necessary. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just, they wanted to resolve this thing and he wasn't the one that set it up. Like if Taika Waititi had made Thor one, then I think yeah. whichever Jane they would have casted would probably have been different. And this movie yes. would have worked better, but they were stuck yes. with the Jane they had. And, uh, What's his face? Who directed Belfast? That guy directed Thor one. Hmm. Um, slipping my uh, slipping his name slipping my mind right now. Anyway, um, I like the cancer subplot for the sole purpose of I feel like it, Phase Four especially is just getting a little bloated with all the new people we're introducing, hmm. and the way the promotional material set it up is oh she's going to be the new Thor now and. Spoiler alert, we are going to spoil this movie, uh, people, listeners yeah. of the podcast. Uh, she dies. Yes. So she will no longer be But she's in Valhalla. Thor. She is. I liked that stinger. That was a very fun. These are these were two pretty solid post-credit scenes as well. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that. Uh, so cancer stuff is happening. Uh, Jane goes to at New Asgard. 
um, because she is looking for a cure to cancer, and she uses Norse mythology mm-hmm. to do so. Um, and Milner gives her strength, which is another thing. Like, I thought Milner was going to be like, I thought she was going to survive this movie at the very beginning, so, even so. So I, I feel two different ways about this. The, okay. the hammer did say it was like going to protect her, and it called out to her. So I feel yes. like it should be fixing yes. her cancer. But on the other hand, I think it's kind of uh, if you're watching this movie and you have a loved one with cancer, and then the person yeah. gets magically cured by a magic hammer, I think that would be yeah. a bummer to see. Because it's like, well, I'm glad that this fantasy world cancer isn't a problem, but it is a problem for me. So I, so yes. I kind of like that the cancer was not surmountable by these magic means. I but, no, 100%. <laughs> like then what's no, the purpose I, of the hammer? Like why was it calling out to her? Well, the hammer the hammer protected her while she was wielding the hammer, but the ham- she was also like dying. I kind of relate I thought her story was kind of like a parallel to Gore the God Butcher who had this sword mm. which if the sword broke he would die cuz he was the sword kind of deal. Yeah. And similarly like if she died in died in battle or Milner wasn't there, which she can't walk around in the Thor suit with the hammer for the rest of her life kind of deal. No, I just but think the hammer was I think it It was a crutch. It was not a yeah, cure. I think they could have done a disease other than cancer, which would have softened the blow a bit. Cause I think Like what? Like a made up Marvel disease or maybe that or maybe just make the hammer like a it was made to be wield, wielded by an Asgardian. So give her a reason to go get the hammer, and then mm-hmm. over the course of the movie, she just has to realize that the uh, it's like too powerful for a human vessel, and it's starting to like degrade her. But then she realizes that even mm-hmm. though the hammer is a threat to her life, she has to go save Thor. And so then you still get that same sacrifice at the end, where she knows that she can't become Thor again, but she has to to save the person that she loves. And so you still get that moment. Yeah. But that way, it's you don't have this weird thing. It's like, is the hammer saving her? Is it not saving her? Oh, it's actually hurting her? Like, if it was just hurting her, I think it'd be more simple. And then you can remove the cancer thing, which I think just yeah. triggers kind of less of the audience. Because I, I, yes. I, I definitely saw, I, I was reading some of the Reddit reaction to this. And some people, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's mixed, because obviously people who have cancer are, a diverse group of people it affects anyone so some people liked it some people didn't but i think it's just a weird kind of play to make like just do kind of tony stark disease or whatever from well his his oh like the so make up a marvel disease yeah or or, and even if it and it you can tie it to the hammer somehow yeah sure uh yeah i really I don't know. I, I, I like the whole premise that she is sick the whole time. I do kind of like your idea of what if she like she's being deteriorated by the hammer. But I don't know what her motivation would be to still uh, wield the hammer kind of deal. What? Like the entire time if that was the case. Yeah. Now you could have... She would have had to feel some sort of obligation in terms of protecting Thor. But she couldn't let Thor yeah. know that it was hurting her. You know, like it, yes. it, like the whole time, it's a little bit as of a self sacrifice, and she keeps wanting to tell him, but for some reason, feels that she can't. I, I don't yeah. know. Like, obviously, this is just me spitballing in the moment, but I just feel like there is a sure. better way to have the same story that doesn't come with this jarring juxtaposition of the comedic side of the film also having a cancer subplot. I think if you keep the dark side and the light side more separate, this movie feels less like a jumble. Yeah, um, I mean, 
I just I like the the premise that she's sick the whole time, and because that also made me think, oh, the hammer's going to cure her, then she's going to become a, an Avenger, and we have another new Avenger. But she still kind of dies at the mm-hmm. end. Like that's which I liked. I liked the pump fake of like, oh, she has the hammer, she's going to be fine now, but she doesn't get better. So that was for me watching that was a little bit of a fun twist. Yeah, to me, it though. just felt a little bit like uh, they the they were playing with fire a little bit. And they didn't come away yeah. completely not burned. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. I but, I do think it's not one of the stronger parts of this movie, right? And I do think there's plenty of strong parts to this movie. Uh, so yeah. what's what's next after? Uh, so she goes to Asgard. We should touch on the callback to Ragnarok, where all of those famous actors are playing Thor and Loki. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good uh, running gag. Pretty entertaining. This one. Definitely. I think it's just the novelty of the first right, one. Right, made was it much so better, great. yeah. And then this, I did have, the second time I watched it, I had, which I thought would annoy me, but I ended up really like. there was a guy in the theater who just had a really loud laugh, mm-hmm. and it was just like, it was, ha-ha! Like, that was his <laughs> laugh every time. <laughs> kind of deal. Uh, so every time something would happen, there would be, that laugh and that would kind of trigger the audience like oh this is funny this is where we mm-hmm. laugh it was kind of a cue um he lost he lost his mind at this and when i watched this for the first opening night uh it was not as yeah funny to me and that's kind of how the audience Melissa, i would say was in my theater a lot of the stuff yeah. that i would thought like that's pretty funny they weren't laughing like yeah. at and and so that was also just it's a weird vibe when you're watching a scene that's supposed to be comedic and the audience is just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, see, and I what I did really like is Matt Damon, uh, uh, 20 minutes later, is the after the children are kidnapped, yeah. Matt Damon goes to King Valkyrie and is like, can we reenact this for the stage or t- turn it into a production kind of deal? And she's like, no. Yeah. And he, or she's like, let's let's not talk about it. And he's like, I'm not hearing it yeah, now. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, that was very funny. Um so Natalie Portman gets the hammer. Uh, Thor gets. They are Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy are on that planet. They inherit uh, goats, two screaming goats, which were uh, loved by my audience. They fucking both audiences I watched this with fucking loved the. Yeah, goats. I'd the, say that that cracked goats. up my audience, which is funny because that's like the classic marvel joke that i find amusing yeah. but i would never like laugh out loud at but this audience yeah. like yeah goat make yeah, funny I did, sound i really did not understand the screaming goats i liked when they were interacting on the ship with the guardians yeah. and they were all gonna like murder the and goats. also i think the best payoff of them is the very when they run into that planet yeah i think much oh, yes. later that tiny little shadow planet thing that yes. bit I thought was really oh. good, but oh yeah. boy, yeah, we I can't wait to talk about yes. that shortly. Uh, so they get the goats. He parts ways with the guardians, which I like Peter Quill's speech mm-hmm. about like I lost Gamora, um, but I still have my my family kind of deal. I just really like Thor's search to find love and open himself up again. I think that's really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a ongoing trope in this movie. Uh, then they get a distress signal from Lady Sif who is in Thor 1, 2, and I don't think she's in Ragnarok. Which is good, because she'd be dead if she was. Because <laughs> everyone that's else true. was. She, she would have been murdered. She is in Loki, though, which is very fun. Um, yes, yeah, I remember, yeah. So they, uh, she, she is, she's missing an arm. Her arm was taken from her. Um, 
they do that disclaimer of like what it takes to get into Valhalla, mm-hmm. uh, which is setting up. You know that that's going to be a thing that comes up later in the movie <clears throat> because they have explained to everyone what Valhalla right. is. Right, Chekhov's um, They also introduce the God Butcher there, and then Thor goes back to Asgard after Sif tells him to, and uh, Gore shows up. And his shadow and, monsters, and they kidnap the and children. His shadow monsters. And I, I think this fight the, sequence is pretty good. It's not as fun as the first one, but you get to, you, yeah. you're introduced to Jane with the power of Thor. Yes, and their interaction, yes. I think, is really what the scene is about. It's just them being very. Like, oh. yeah. <clears throat> the shadow monsters look pretty cool. That whole sequence was kind of dark. Like I just the shadow planet or shadow realm looks so much better yeah. because like new Asgard shadow monsters are just devoid of color. I am curious to watch this on a TV because I've noticed like darker images on a projector movie theater screen are darker, mm-hmm. whereas like TV it's a bit more pixelated. So it it has a bit more of a focus to darkness uh scenes like that um but this this scene's very fun um they're just kicking ass taking names kind of kind of deal classic asgardian fun um but gore does succeed um and the whole time i'm like why are there all these shots of children this entire fight like they're really trying to explain like how many children asgard has and then like oh all of the children are being taken that's good that they set that up i kind of like this as a uh, motivation, like it's kind of it's yeah, kind of silly sure. and obvious. Just like oh, they took the children. Well, we definitely yeah. have to go get the children back. That's not we we, we can't. Yeah, not an acceptable sure. sacrifice. I'm, yeah, we can't we <laughs> for the children. <laughs> um, and I really like uh, <laughs> Axel, the son of Heimdall, mm-hmm. um, is communicating with Thor the entire time. Um, and whenever Thor shows up to the cage, I think it's very fun. Yes, his his little morale uh, boosting speeches. Yes, that's very good. Um, but just gore with the children is just so menacingly dark, mm-hmm. which this movie is pretty lighthearted and fun. And by no fault of Christian, but he is again Christian Bale is on a next level project with this yeah. this acting. It is almost a shame that he dies at the end of this movie because I would love to see him in several more Marvel I feel like his, his contract made it so he died because he didn't want to get caught up in the MCU machine, but he oh, was yeah, interested in dipping sure. in. <laughs> yeah, and th- that totally is his style. Um, but no, I, I thought the same I, thing. I would love to see more of the God Butcher. More gore, more gore. Um. So, and I like how Heimdall's son calls him Axel, as per Guns N' Roses right. game. This is, like, every every ten minutes, there's something in this movie that makes my cousin, like, just clap his hands, like, let's mm-hmm. go, kind of deal. Uh, which is very a fi- very fun energy to watch this movie. Right. With. And then my boss is in, like, four rows ahead of me, and he jumps later in the movie. We'll, uh, we'll get to that. Um, but it was very uh, exciting. Um also, they play Paradise City during when they enter Asgard, which is, if you're going to pick a Guns N' Roses song, that's very funny. Right. Um, then they need a plan to go save the children. Um, they are doing that, while also it is revealed that Jane Foster's Thor powers are not helping her cancer mm-hmm. that much. She has, like, the flashback to her mother dying um, and be strong kind of deal. Uh so that's the first glimpse you get, like, oh, she's not cured, she's still going to die kind yeah. of deal. Um, 
Which, again, I liked that trope. I'm glad that they didn't just do, uh, here's the new Avenger now, out with the old, in with the new kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they, did, they did something And also, in this same sequence, they have another, they have that scene between her and uh, Valkyrie. Valkyrie, And, again, yes. like, I just feel like the chemistry's not quite there. And I, do, I hate to keep blaming Natalie Portman, but I think it, she is, again, <laughs> the weak link. I I think you might be onto something because those first two Thor movies seem like they are only like if I was to compare a Natalie Portman performance and an MCU movie, even if they weren't related, if I was to even if she wasn't in Thor one and two, and you were to say what's a female actor you would compare to Thor one and two, I would be like Natalie Portman. She's like <laughs> solid. She's never amazing. Uh, she gives a great three and a half star performance yeah whereas everyone else does seem like they're in a bit of a different movie again this didn't her performance did not take me out of this i do think this movie could have excelled yeah had they changed something up about that right and i I, just i I mean there's just i i think she should have been i think they should have leaned into that about her like that she's not that funny like i think if you make her the straight man then, they tried, though. They tried with the catchphrase thing, and she's just failing to well, come up with the catchphrase. Yeah, I guess they tried to make her kind of corny. I don't know. There, there's just, there's had to be a better way, and they did not find it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I like the idea of her struggling to find catchphrases, and Valkyrie and Thor are just like, she clearly But that also feels like a little done. I feel like we, that's a gag that has existed in a lot of different superhero media. Like someone trying sure. to come up with a catchphrase for a whole movie, and then sure. at the very end they say something that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Understandable. Uh, I, I mean, I think that was just their way of trying to to make her like, oh, she's not as good as the other ones. In yeah, she's a little dorky. Regard. I think she's, uh, again, Thor 1 and 2, not some of the strongest MCU movies. Still great compared to most movies, but... I think she is great as the nerdy scientist who is in Arizona or wherever they yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, maybe she was just around. better directed by that director than by Taika Waititi. Even though I would say that oh, overall, Taika Waititi is clearly the better director. Oh yeah, well, Kenneth Branagh is more Kenneth Branagh too. They were that's a match made in heaven. Like he's such a mediocre, <laughs> uh, like steak and potatoes kind of. Is that, a, is that a phrase for, like, just bland steak and potatoes? What am I thinking I mean, that's of? more like a solid. Like, steak and potatoes is just like a hearty meal that okay. you're not going to complain about. Yeah. At least that's kind I'm of my, thinking, my... It's like the bread and butter. <laughs> he's very much like an eat-your-vegetables. Maybe that's the phrase. Like an eat-your-vegetables director where, like, Belfast... It's, like <laughs> it's got to be some well- sort of food metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly well-made. He's not your popcorn and Coke kind of director. But it's not even, it's like Uncut Gems, yeah. <laughs> Uncut Gems is like prime rib. And Kenneth Branagh is like your vegetables. Like, it's good for you, it's a good tale, but also this movie is boring like vegetables, uh, and it's just, it sucks compared to so many other things. Yeah, We gotta get uh, back on track. I, kind of, I know, We well, I mean, maybe stop shitting on Natalie Portman and then we can, <laughs> we can continue our... our uh, so what's, what's next? Uh, they go to the city, I guess. They go to uh, Omnipotent City, home of Zeus and a whole bunch of other gods. I really like this set piece. Yeah, I like, like, I like the design of everything. I think the design of the ver- various gods is pretty good. I think... Yeah. Is that Russell Crowe? Is that who that is? 
That was Russell Crowe. I think yes. his performance his, is hilarious and bizarre. Yes. And the way yes. the skirt thing I thought was great. Yeah. Outstanding. Uh, uh, his accent is bonkers, yeah. but I love it. Uh, so and this good. this was like one of those where it felt like this is almost not working, but because of that, it's working so well. Um, so yeah, this this of Z- and maybe I feel like this scene goes on like slightly long, but overall, I, I don't think I have any complaints. This was just ridiculous, it, very Taika Waititi feeling. They did set it up, and uh, I do think the payoff with the well, I, and I wish that wasn't spoiled in the promo material where he flicks off Chris Hemsworth. Uh, his attire and all the girls. Yeah. Like that's pretty funny. Um, and also he has the Loki tattoo on his back. That's a nice touch. Um, but overall it's just like Zeus is scared and maybe, maybe it's seems long because it ends with them not doing what they set there to achieve. Like they set, they went there to get a God army and they didn't, they just ended up fighting all of Zeus's. To me, it just seemed like Taika Waititi loved this Russell Crowe performance and he just wanted to, he didn't want to cut a second out of it. He wanted to use everything as written. And I don't really uh, disagree with him. I I mean, whenever Russell Crowe, I think they just spent like slightly too long in omnipotent city. And the thing where Thor, like, it's like, I'm a master of disguises, and he threw his cape over and just to make a toga kind yeah. of deal. Uh, that felt like it was done in Ragnarok. That felt like a recycled right. joke a bit. Um, really, just once they start talking to Zeus, like when they're sitting in the stand, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, I-, I love every time Russell Crowe was on screen. And I- the second time I watched it, I loved it even more. Like, he's just so entertaining, and there's more to pick apart. His accent is just so crazy, and I think the first time I watched it, I was overwhelmed by his <laughs> accent. That I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, but the second time, knowing what to expect, it was very, very enjoyable, very fun. Um, I like him as Zeus. I think that's great. Uh, let's see. So what, what's so the direct they, follow after this? Is it is it to that point? Well, hold on. Though? They Big plot point, uh, Zeus kills Korg, or yeah. so it seems. Which I did not realize until that happened, like, how emotionally invested I was in Cork. <laughs> and maybe it's, like, all of the shattering of his, the rock, like, he's falling apart, he's kind of, like, getting dusted. It was it very reminiscent like of that, yeah. Um, but I, I I was like, oh, fuck, not Cork. Like, it, I did not expect to have that reaction. And then, which made Thor murdering Zeus, or so it seemed, uh, all the more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty hype. Um... So he kills Zeus, they run away, they steal Zeus's weapons, and then they have the powwow on the ship where Natalie Portman confesses to Thor she has cancer. Yeah. This um, scene is another one where I like don't mind it in concept, but in execution, again, it just felt like a little weak. Like I, I felt like my audience and me by extension a little bit was just kinda like, Okay, let's just get all this exposition y stuff. Or not even exposition, just sure. like these character moments, which is a place where the movie could be really good. Just I, I felt like all of them were kind of B minus E. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing here that really cracked me up or like I, I think the best gag maybe in this whole thing is just the uh the running gag with his hammer being jealous or the axe being jealous of the hammer. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about that. That's a pretty fun recurring. Yes, I bit. think that's I think that's the one of the better running jokes in just cause like having an inanimate object. Yeah. 
be yeah, jealous. Yeah, they just they manage to infuse a good amount of character into something that has no expressions. <laughs> yeah. I definitely didn't laugh out loud at any of those, no. but I was like, that's yeah. funny. That's clearly that's funny. Um, we should also mention that when after he kills Zeus and they need to leave Omnipotent City, uh, the goats show up on the Ark and Sweet Child of Mine starts playing and my cousin lost yeah. his mind. Um, which was a very cool sequence. That's a very fun. It's hard again, much like Immigrant Song or one of those classics. Like it's hard to put that in a movie and for it to, for the scene to fail. Right. Like it's such a great song. Um. So they are having the power on the boat. She still has cancer. Um. I I like this scene a lot. I think it's a very endearing like kind of closure. He's still trying to get over this girl, but she has cancer, and the way he handles it. In this movie where he's riding Stormbreaker as a witch's mm-hmm. broom, he, like, has a very serious reaction to her saying she has cancer. And she's kind of being Natalie Portman. She's like, I don't have cancer. It's a joke kind of deal. Which you're just kind of like, what? This is an interesting... You're, you're being classic Natalie Portman here. Um, uh, but I loved his, like, just hesitancy. He's like, Jane, I'm so sorry. Yeah kind of deal like and then they kiss i really like this sequence a lot i think it's one of the better parts in regards to seriousness mm, yeah i i just it um, didn't quite land for me i guess as well as it landed for you but i like there i don't think it's again all bad i just felt like it was the right I, you know and maybe i is it natalie portman again is it her fault yeah i don't know but <laughs> i it all it all circles i do back. think uh you know, Chris Hemsworth, his reactions were the best part of this scene. Because I also thought the yeah. the Korg and Valkyrie banter was okay. Yeah. Um, sure. But again, nothing, nothing well, that I like, you know, I, busted my gut. I, I like the uh, the rock guy, uh, the my two dads, like, form over a lava mm-hmm. pit, or form me over a lava pit kind of deal. I like that lore for Korg's Yeah, people. well, and... and I, like all of these things, I like on paper. I just think that somehow the execution could have been better. Like I don't know, a couple more drafts or something. Sure. I mean, fair enough. I do think uh, it sounds like you hate Natalie Portman. That's okay. It does sound um, like that, and I don't know if that's true or if I, I like. I mean, I already expressed that I don't like her character arc, so it's kind of hard to separate how much of it is her, how much yeah. of it is her arc, and. How much is, of it is the combination of those two things? <laughs> of the two. Yeah. Um, but we should touch on what is next, the best sequence in the film, The Shadow Realm. Yes. This was... Uh, this, this is, I think... Is a t- if I had to parallel this with top 10. Doctor Strange, so, this is the, like, the music fight sure. sequence. Like, in terms okay. of, like, I, I love that, and it was sure. still kind of weird and outside the box. This was, like, the same kind of thing. It's a weird, tiny planet. The shadow, like, the... Yeah. It's almost like a... 300 color grade and then the slight pops of color when there's light like everything about this sequence is great yes this is a top 10 mcu fight sequence for me yeah this was so great um and also like before he summons stormbreaker because they get there and they realize like oh he needs stormbreaker to open the key to save his or to kill all the gods Mm. um and before they use Stormbreaker, uh, the, they are all restrained by the tentacle shadow monsters. Um, and then Christian Bale has a monologue with each mm-hmm. of them. And he's just like expressing each of their worst fears kind yeah. of deal. 
Uh, and he, oh my god, is this, what a performance he is giving. I would give him a best actor performance just for this <laughs> one scene. And it is a shame that the Academy will not acknowledge that. Um, but the know it doesesies might. Uh, very possible. Uh, very possible. Uh, so this whole... His performance is amazing, and then when they start fighting, when they break free of the tentacle monsters and just start, the action breaks out, and like you said, with the, the Thunderbolt being yellow and the Stormbreaker being blue, it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. It feels fantastic. It's it's sheer Taika Waititi action visuals zaning it. It's yeah. awesome. There's There's not enough good things I can say about this scene. Or there's too many good things. I don't know if that's an expression. <laughs> there, I I could say that I could talk about this scene. And yeah, how much this I is four hours. I would say, gotta be my top in my top three moments or sequences in the whole film. May, probably number one, yes. but we'll see. I would probably also say number one. My um, my two and three that I'm thinking of. One we haven't gotten to, but the other is just the intro okay. sequence. Okay. Um, the intro sequence is, yeah, very strong. Uh, all right, so Shadow Planet, he takes Stormbreaker, they go back to Asgard, uh, Valkyrie and Jane are incapacitated by the fight, and also Jane has cancer. Um, so Jane goes back on chemo because she's dying, and I think kind of what you were hypothesizing as a side plot, or, like, her alternate plot where the hammer is making her weaker, I do think, like... Being an Asgardian and, like, while she has the hammer, hammer she's immune, yeah. but that does take a toll. Like, she's still a human, and her human body is going through all of this stuff. And her human body, when she doesn't have Stormbreakers, like, you have cancer. You're very sick, kind of. Yeah, so I, I think they could have um, done something with that. Yeah, which I, I think they touched on it a little Yeah, bit. I just, again. Slightly. I, it's just not quite working tonally for me with the, with the rest okay. of it. All right. Um, so they have a lovely uh, conversation. Thor breaks into a vending machine to get her some Funyuns or whatever. And then he's like, I'm going to break all his legs. Or she says, break a leg. He said, I'm going to break all mm-hmm. his legs. I like that line. I like that banter. Um, it's supposed to be a goodbye. Because basically it is assumed by this conversation, if she wields Milner one more time, she will die. Right. Um. And she is already, like, dying, so she doesn't have much le- time left. Yeah, and you life. know that she's going to come back anyway, but I I, I think yeah. this is maybe the best part of that whole sequence. Because I, I like the idea of her sacrificing herself and that, like, wielding yes, the hammer hurts her. It's just how we got here I yeah. don't like so much. But this sequence I think is funny. I I think this is good, and I also like how Thor, uh, back to the, the trope of the jealous inanimate objects... Thor is, like, so jealous, like, why did you leave me for her? And then it, they show, like, oh, I was told to protect her. Milner was told to protect her the entire time. But Milner is the one, in the mid-fight, where it seems like Thor is mm-hmm. losing, Milner shows up to her as kind of... And it's it's this sweet, endearing moment. Like, this hammer just appears in a room, but also you're kind of thinking, like, oh, Milner still cares about Thor and wants him to be protected mm-hmm. as well. And somehow that was expressed in just a, a hammer floating through the air in a hospital mm-hmm. room. Um, so Thor goes to kill the God Butcher and free the children. Um, he saves the children. Uh, they all get the power of Thor and he uses, I I love this whole sequence is great as well. He uses the, the thing that Odin said to the hammer 
may whoever possess the power of this hammer possess the power of Thor kind of deal. Fun callback to the yeah, first Yeah, I love movie. this sequence. The kids yes. fighting with... Because it's still... You still have that kind of like a Shadow Realm look to everything, which is super sleek yes. and badass. But then you get that with children fighting with teddy bears and a bunny yes. with laser eyes and stuff like that. So I think yeah. this is great. And I also thought it was like that they did like, you know, that cool side angle slow motion thing that they like to do when two different waves of enemies are about to hit each other. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, they did yep. that. Well, and, and I thought Axel looked pretty cool in that. Which I, is he set up yeah, to be someone after this? You think? I think they just need a new Heimdall kind yeah. of deal, and he will be a big player in future Asgard yeah. stuff. Because um, they do need whoever that is to do the Bifrost stuff. Yeah, this feels a little bit like a backdoor uh, pilot. Like if if this kid works, then they can use him going forward. Yeah, and if they decide to go a different oh, direction, sure. they can still do that because he wasn't like super integral. It's not like they. It's not like he's yes. Spider Man or something. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also like how Thor, when he's giving this speech and giving all the, the toys and weapons powers, uh, he says, may possess the power of Thor for a limited time mm-hmm. only, because he was like uh, with the whole Milner thing. Um, so I like, that was very mm-hmm. entertaining. Uh, also, the two sides, the shadow people fighting the children, you left out the most important detail, where they play the guitar solo to November Rain <laughs> as it is happening. And my boss jumped out of his seat in excitement. <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't, uh, I didn't because, place that solo. I'm, uh, you know, a little bit familiar oh, with really? that. Oh, really? So you didn't even know what? Did you know it was Guns N' Roses? I assumed it was Guns N' Roses based on everything else. And I guess if you'd <laughs> ask me at the time what what song it would have been, being that they'd yeah. already played Paradise City, Welcome to the Jungle, and Sweet Child of Mine, I probably would have guessed November Rain, but. Yeah. I didn't know it offhand that that was that solo or that that was that song. I'm not. A uh, huge Guns N' Roses fan. So November Rain is a nine-minute like ballad with an insanely kick-ass guitar solo that you did here during this movie. At that culminates at like the seven-minute mm-hmm. mark. Uh, and holy shit, is it like uh, hearing that? My and my cousin like this is why it was his second favorite movie. He's like listening to Guns N' Roses. I had like all these childhood fantasies like growing up in high school or whatever he's not that mm-hmm. old so he still has time to experience these things but he's just like i have always envisioned that solo playing during a scene almost exactly like that and they basically took my my dream fantasy and made it into a movie like a scene in a movie right. kind of deal which is very satisfying to watch through these people's mm-hmm. eyes um i will say me and my boss think that we wrote somewhat of a better film um you do all of the Jane Foster stuff, all of... So everything about the movie stays the same, except all of the Jane Foster stuff is told at the very beginning. Although I don't want to cut that God Butcher scene, but you have to you have to put this somewhere toward the front. You basically get a flashback of what has Jane been up to some point early on in the mm-hmm. movie. And it's like a, a montage from the Pixar film Up, all told to November Rain. Hmm. So there's no dialogue during it. It's clear she's sick. She's dying, whatever. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, at, like the song will cut off and then it will go back to Thor or whatever. At the end of the movie, you get the November Rain solo as the payoff for her like sacrifice, the end of that arc kind of deal. Hmm. Um, yeah. That would be pretty epic. Again, you have to be like, already this is basically a Guns N' Roses movie and that would just further... Yeah, I, I can't say that I like... 
would guarantee that's a better movie, but I think it has a very good likelihood because they had to do, I think they do need to change something about the Jane Foster story. So maybe that would have been it. Well, I think, and what you I've said just about Jane Foster and Taika Waititi just clearly don't seem to mesh mm-hmm. as well as her and Aronofsky do, apparently. Um, I think what could help that is her doing like an up montage because then she's not really acting as well. And much. you could also like have just... made it. You could have connected her disease to her research or something. Because then, then maybe that's sure. why she's uh, like not willing to let it go. Uh, so yes, I don't know. But like, you just make it so it's something to do with space dust or whatever Marvel stuff you want to make up. Okay, I mean that's that's fair. I and think you could put that in that sequence that you're doesn't... talking about. Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, whatever it takes. Like, I just wanted kind of... Because I really love the whole... After they meet in Asgard again for the first time in forever, I love the whole sequence of, like, back when they were dating, they're wearing the Halloween costumes. They're just doing, like, dumb couple stuff kind of deal. Which is very entertaining to see. And that was something that we never saw in those previous movies, even though it was implied that they did date for a certain amount of time. Um, So I like that closure. I like that. This fight sequence with November Rain absolutely kicks the utmost ass possible mm-hmm. um could not have loved it more uh and then jane is dying gore gets to eternity heimdall's son axel takes stormbreaker and gets uh home mm-hmm. or takes the children and gets them home uh gore the god butcher goes to eternity and oh eternity is the thing we haven't touched on this is the being at the center of the universe that grants one wish to whoever finds eternity. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I thought uh, the way they yeah. designed it and the uh, weird yes. space it was in, all that was pretty cool. Yes. Um, like that trope a lot. And then Thor is holding a dying Natalie Portman. Um, and he's like, Gore, you don't have to do this. If you really loved your daughter, then, you know, just wish for her back. You don't have to kill the gods. It doesn't have to be about vengeance. And then he's like, if I wish for her back, I'll be dead. And then who will take care of her? Uh, and then he wishes for her back, daughter born of eternity. And now it becomes uh, Thor and his, I believe she calls him Uncle mm-hmm. Thor. So he's not quite a dad. Jane Foster dies, but Thor opens up his heart to a little girl. Which a young is Avenger, played by her, who, his real daughter. Oh, is that true? That's, I didn't I, know Ellie that. said that. So assuming she oh, read really? that in a reputable place. Because I, I had That's... wondered, like, why... I thought it was an interesting casting choice, because it feels not like the... I mean, she was a cute kid, but I don't know if she would have been cast oh, if yeah. she wasn't Chris Hemsworth's daughter. <laughs> Adorable. She, I mean, she was... I like, I like everything about her. Um, I also... I'm trying to think of the wrapping up the, the closure of this movie, because I do want to touch on... I didn't realize that subconsciously my favorite movie trope is when they explain why it is, why the title, ex- like what the title means until the very yeah. end. It's kind of corny, but so it's also when, like a Taika Waititi, you can pull off that kind of corny. Oh my God. It's, yeah, exactly. It's just like so heartfelt and warm. And yeah, I don't know what, and when Taika Waititi does it, it just mm-hmm. works so well. There, um, there's like, using a trope because you're lazy and you can't think of anything. And then there's using a trope. Yeah like deliberately to invoke whatever emotion that it's supposed to. And it just, it feels like he's very aware of that. He's doing kind of something a little tropey while doing it. And that makes it better. Yeah. I, I love 
the finale of this movie is very strong as well. I think this is like a top ten last scenes in an MCU film kind of deal. Uh, I, I just love the whole... And they go by Love and Thunder now. Also, Korg telling the story of how he met the dude named Dwayne. Yeah. It's a rock monster with a stash. Dwayne that was the Rock? That might be the... Dwayne, yeah. That might have been the most I laughed. Just his delivery. And I met a dude named Dwayne. Yeah. <laughs> that was very funny. Um, is there anything else to wrap up about the plot of this movie? I mean, him and his daughter, or niece or whatever, are just uh, saving the galaxy together. So... Um, and I... I like how he has Mjolnir right. again, and then he switches. He gives her Stormbreaker. Uh, uh, so coming out of the theater, Ellie yes. very much did not like the cancer subplot, and so I was actually on the opposite side okay. of this conversation, being like, "Yeah, it wasn't the best, but I don't think it like ruined the movie. Like, I still enjoyed it." Sure, but sure, for sure. her, she was just yeah. like, "I don't like the way that was handled in the slightest." Okay, um, which sure, I thought was sure. interesting, and it's also one of those things that, you know. Uh, Sometimes when you're watching a movie, if you start to like lose, it, it starts to lose its grip. Then like there's some points where yeah. it's hard to pull you back in. Um, yeah, it just keeps falling, and the, it has to come up with something spectacular yeah. to win. And, you back and it just seemed like it, it it lost her at some point, and never picked her back up. Which I think the thing that saved it for me is I think I was a little bit wonky yeah. on it, and then that's exactly when the shadow planet sequence happened, and I was just like, okay, I'm back in. Sure, and I think she must have yeah. just been more I, off the rails by that point than I was. Uh, yeah, so I I kind of agree that I was I was in a similar boat uh, until the Shadow mm-hmm. Planet, and from then on, it's but, really I mean, solid. I wasn't hating it. Oh yeah, no, it's the the last act is is fantastic. Which, um, and I would say the first have, half like, is there's a lot of high moments. It's just there's it's it's kind of just. Like a little rocky, like it's good sometimes, bad sometimes, not super consistent. And then we get to that planet, and from then on, I would say it's there's not many sequences that are below at least good, and most of them yeah, are I much think better it's, than good. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's pretty solid all the way through. Uh, let's talk post credits real quick. Well, and also, can you um, remind me real quick what your rating was? Oh, yes. Um, so, this is number... Hold on, let me consult my list just to be sure. <clears throat> Lists, Marvel Cinematic Universe, definitive ranking. I have it at number 18. Captain Marvel is number 17, and Falcon Winter Soldier is number 19. Which gives it what number, though? Out of so, six? I, I am about to do okay. that math. Uh, so, Captain Marvel, I gave a 5.25, and Falcon Winter Soldier... I also gave a 5.25, so I'm going to give this a 5.25. Okay. Although, hold on. I'm. A, oh, wait, no, that's that's mine? That's fucking weird. Hold on. Doctor Strange is a 5, so I've, I've screwed this up somehow. <laughs> uh, shit. Okay, so I'm... I'm going to... We're going to obviously re, resort this during Ranksgiving, but... I Oh, you know what it is? It's just because all of my Falcon Winter Soldier rank dropped, and my Doctor Strange went up. So... Doctor Strange, now in my eyes, which will be discussed during Thanksgiving, has a 5.25, and I'm going to give Love and Thunder a 5, I'm pretty okay. sure. Maybe maybe a 4.83, but I'm going to say a 5 right now. Okay. Uh, I, well, let's talk about the post-credits, and then I'll do my rank. Okay. Okay. So, well, now I kind of want to just shift around my numbers a bit. Uh, 
But uh, the post-credit scene is Zeus being scorned uh, by Thor, and he's talking about how humans used to fear them. Uh, now they just want to see superheroes. I love Zeus's monologue. It's very menacing from this otherwise ridiculous. Well, character. and you kind of knew that Russell Crowe uh, had that ca- capacity, so it's cool that you get oh, to actually sure. see it after. Because I was surprised Absolutely. that he could be funny, but I knew that he could pull off, you know, a grand speech. Oh, yeah, super serious. Yeah, definitely. Um, so he's which if fa- the next phase if if. The next phase is, uh, he's talking about gods raining down, like, the, people will fear us again once we kill Thor Odinson, and he falls mm-hmm. from the sky. Uh, so, he wants to be feared again, and he gets his son Hercules, played by none other than Ted Lasso's Roy Kent. Uh, don't know if you I watched Ted not. Lasso. Okay. That is perfect casting. Holy shit, when I saw him, I was like... I am so excited for Hercules to show up and fight people. Um, yeah, so that was that was one of the more insanely fun post-credit scenes. And if they set that up uh, for the future, um, then I'm I'm excited. Like if if this was if the end of Phase Four and Phase Five and Phase Six is going to be like the main thread is going to be Zeus or gods raining down on Earth kind of deal then maybe this is an appropriate end of Phase 4. Maybe we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second post credit scene is a nice touch. Heimdall is in Valhalla. Nice little closure for him. And uh, Natalie Portman is uh, also in Valhalla. Nice little closure yeah. for her. I, th- um, I thought these were solid. These didn't like blow my mind or anything, but they were fun. Yes, very much so. And I would say the um, Russell Crowe one especially is the... Standout of the two. The other one's kind of just like, don't worry. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, it was just, I mean, a nicer touch than some of these second tier post credit scenes are just like, I don't know. Bruce Campbell is fun. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, the shit out it's of not, it's not really worth sitting like, there for that long. Yeah. Well, it's the, I feel like these things started when Captain America in Homecoming was like, so you wait, you learn the value of patience or whatever. And then, it was yeah. just nothing. And then they started to fuck us over, for the most part, with the second post-credit scene. Whereas both of them used to be setting up something. In yeah, I feel like they should be comfortable um, not doing a second one, but it definitely feels like they feel obligated to give you something. Yes, for sure. Which isn't sure. great, because I'd rather just them be more like, you know, we'll use it when we use it. But Yeah, which Captain Marvel has... Well, yeah, I guess Infinity War has has one and Endgame doesn't have any. So, like, the Avengers movies, the big movies, the culmination movies only have one usually. Because oh. I guess those are more yeah. serious. I also the loved uh, Rainbow um, in the Dark as the credit song. Yes, that was very, very solid. That's a great... It's funny that you don't know as, like, you don't know November Rain, but you really enjoyed Rainbow yeah, in the Dark. For, I mean, I, the only two Dio songs I know is that and Holy Diver. But those two songs I've actually listened to kind of those, a bunch. Those are the best ones yeah. to know. Um, all right, before we do Ranksgiving, uh, I'm actually... So I'm just going to, instead of changing multiple ratings... Because what I realize has happened is Falcon and Winter Soldier has dropped from a 5.25 upon mm-hmm. rewatching it. But before we do Thanksgiving, I'm just going to keep that at a 5.25 for now, and I will keep Doctor Strange at a 5, because that one is a little more consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to put Thor, Love, and Thunder at a 4.83. Gotcha. So, at my table is... Uh, I'm going to put Thor, I'm going to put Korg, yeah. 
I'm going to put... You need Bruce Banner and the Wasp to make an 8-3, don't you? Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. I need Bruce Banner and the Wasp, so they're there. Um, and then I'm going to put Star-Lord, and I'll put uh, Jane Foster there, pour one out. <laughs> okay. My ranking, I think I'm going to give it a 4. Just, again, okay. like, so, the, the, there's a lot of things to like about this movie, but I feel like it is less than the sum of its parts. Like, I, there's a lot so, of really uh, solid stuff, but as a whole, I think it has kind of structural problems. Uh, okay. Like, and I just felt a little uneven. And I, I don't know. Just like my, sure. my experience with it, I just didn't have as much fun as I had with Doctor Strange. I, this felt like it could I, nearly have been a movie that I thought rivaled Doctor Strange. Like, with just a, a little bit of tweaking. But sure, but it's difficult definitely. for Taika Waititi to come back and do his Thor again with enough new stuff, and it felt like this was just below that mark. Oh, but definitely. I'm excited. I assume he's still going to come back to do a third one of these. There'll be there. I'm sure, and I'm excited to see that. Like this, sure. this movie definitely didn't like throw me off of him entirely. And plus, uh, Natalie Portman's character's dead. So <laughs> that's true. That is true. Uh, so your your arch enemy, ar- arch nemesis in the MCU, that Phase mm-hmm. One. Well, I guess you kind of you've always liked the I Thor have, movies yeah. in Phase One, even so. Um, so just to compare this for the viewer, you like Thor: Love is Love and Thunder as much as Iron Man One and Captain Marvel. Does that sound accurate? Yeah. No, I, I think uh, Iron Man is more solid as a story but i think the highs of this are better like i don't think there's anything in iron man that's quite as cool as the moon sequence or the the intro sequence that's kind of how i feel about captain marvel just because it's so it's such a solid story but the highs of this are definitely better but i really love the arc of captain Marvel's story and throwing jude law against a rock and saying i have nothing to prove to you i I think all yeah so i think i think four out of six fits it where it should be among my ranking as a okay. whole. So, and, and and again, when ranks giving comes up this November, you could easily uh, change those around. A and bit. then my four at um, the table I, are going to be yes, Black please. Widow, Steve Rogers, okay, okay, uh, just a normal human sized Ant Man, not shrunk, okay. So he's a full point, okay. and then uh, mm-hmm. Hulk. Because we very rarely use Hulk. We almost Full always Hulk. use Bruce Banner. That's true. That is true. Because he's the only yes. half we have. Um, so just for the fans at home, I uh, mentioned at the beginning, I believe, uh, I restructured the rankings set, uh, spreadsheet so it's much more accessible and I knew where to find everything, uh, even though my rankings are a bit off uh, until Thanksgiving. But overall, my... Average ranking of all of the MCU properties is 4.91 out of 6, and yours is 4.04. Interesting, yeah. And our so average this movie, is a 4.43. This movie both hit us at average. Yes. Interesting. Pretty much. It, it's, we both... Yes. Which, which yeah. tracks, because this is my number 18 out of 35. That's like yeah. the middle. That's exactly the middle. No. Which is where this was. It's it's definitely better than, than yeah, half of them. It's, it's interesting because this movie, there's like a, several different reasons a movie can end up in the middle. And I think, the, you know, the three that we just yeah. talked about, like Iron Man, 
uh, Captain Marvel and this one all end up there for different yeah. reasons. And this one, I'd say, is the most yes. uh, variant. So, Yes, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh... It's it's a good ride. Next up is uh, we will be doing a Miss Marvel podcast. Have you have you watched any I of that? I am two episodes in. Okay, so I will tell you yeah. right now, the first episode's uh-huh. fantastic, and you don't have to tell me your review until later. I'm confident you really enjoyed the first episode. So far, like four and five have done a straight-up Moon Knight arc where it's just like, this could have been told in three episodes mm. kind of deal. So... You might experience fatigue. I'm not 100% sure because I think you do enjoy, you will enjoy the character and the cultural stuff and just the yeah. young I'll, I'll say high school for a drama. teaser of the first two episodes, yeah, okay. I like this cast yes. a lot better. I mean, obviously there's more people in it, but just the vibe of yes. everything I think is better than Moon Knight. Like I, I want to, like I don't really want to hang out with... Oscar Isaac from Moon Knight, but I kind of sure. do yes. want to be a teenager hanging out with Kamala Khan and Bruno yes. and their crew. Strong homecoming yes. vibes. And so that, I, I think it's easier to spend, even even if it's favorites? like the plot's a little bit meandering or, you know, whatever. It's just like, since the characters are more fun to hang out with, it's easier to... So anyway, I, I'm so far on board with it, so I'll, I'll get through this one by Great. whenever we decide to do the next episode. Okay. It should be after Wednesday when the finale right. airs. And then uh, we won't have anything until She-Hulk in August. We can go on our, our summer vacation. Wow. When, when does that come out? Actually, there's... That's August 17th, I believe. Um, and they're also doing an I Am Groot show that I'm... I think is for children. I really can't get a read on what this hmm. show is. But I think it's Baby Groot walking around in maybe like Pixar vignettes kind of deal. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. We may or may not review that or just briefly touch on it in another right. episode, depending on what I'll watch it an episode as a show. Oh, yeah. No, we'll, do- we'll both watch it. It's just are we going to have right. enough to talk about if it's just like Groot uh, learning consonants or some <laughs> shit. I don't know what it will be. Um. I guess that wraps it up for us. This was uh, this was a fun movie. I I you know had a great time. The Hammered Asgardian is available at your Charlottesville Violet Crown. Um, if you want to make the trip to drink a Thor beer while watching Thor, a second, I would love a third to try time. it. Uh, it's very the very uh, tasty. Creature Comforts beer was in that flashback to Thor sitting around, which is the local brewery that was featured in uh, Endgame. So they got a, they got another little oh. spot on uh, this one. Wow, they are they are in Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure they're paying them big money. Oh, I imagine so. That's true. Well, now I definitely want to drink that beer. I didn't yep. even pick Tropicalia up on Creature Comforts. Hell yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, I guess that does it for us. All right. Well, I've um, been Jordan Peoples, and Marvel has sucked. I've been Kate Weiberg, and no, it doesn't. Happy Eminence Front episode six. Got to drop the Eminence Front plug. Is it really six? I don't know. I feel I've like it might count. be four or five. <laughs> Happy four through six Eminence Front episode. <laughs>